Top stories of the week. Interest rates rise as interest in owning a house drops. Also, Boris Johnson confidently wins confidence. And Americans pretend like Jan 6th hearings will matter for now. This is News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sami Shah and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Nothing interesting here news now. It's barely been three weeks since the election and Labour's already destroyed Australia. I mean, not quite, but in retrospect, it turns out it was a really bad time to win an election. Labour staffers had barely poured a second glass of celebratory champagne before the Reserve Bank came in like a neighbour's noise complaint and shut the party down. We knew it was coming. What we didn't know was how much it would hurt. The Reserve Bank has blown away most predictions. By the way, that isn't a good thing. Predictions about the Reserve Bank are almost never good ones. Like no one ever says, ooh, I think the Reserve Bank is going to give us all a thousand bucks for Christmas. Or, ooh, I heard the Reserve Bank might make it okay to kill any billionaire and live in the house forever. Now, when the Reserve Bank blows away a prediction, it's always similar to a tornado blowing away an orphanage. Announcing the biggest rate, rate hike since February 2000, the half a percent rise pushes the official cash rate to 0.85% adding huge pressure to those under major mortgage stress. So basically, if you were able to get a mortgage recently by either saving every dollar you earned while working multiple jobs and managing an OnlyFans account, or getting mummy and daddy to give you some of the barely earned cash, you're now fucked. Still not as fucked as those of us still renting, because our entire life savings is barely into the triple digits. But, you know, pretty fucked nonetheless. The problem is, most think this isn't the end of the increases, just the start. The increase will mean for a half a million dollar mortgage, you'll need an extra $133 a month. Manageable for most, but if, as predicted, it reaches 1.75% by the end of the year, that would add $442 to repayments every month. So basically, homeowners will be paying more while not actually getting anything for it. Kind of like renters have to do every year anyway. Something tells me that increase is going to be passed on to me while I still have to wait six months for my landlord to approve the 20 bucks it costs to replace the lights over the stove. Now, the rate increase was inevitable with the RBA putting it in place largely due to the expenses incurred during the last two years of COVID lockdowns. And Labour just had the bad luck of being the government that has to handle it. It's like playing a relay race in which the previous runner doesn't hand you a baton, but a giant penis that's also on fire and then beats you with it. Luckily, Sky News' Paul Murray knows just who to blame for all of this. Now, this week is going to be yet another tightening of the screws on the normal people of Australia, the people who will decide the 2025 election, but more importantly, are the very good people who just do their best, pay their taxes, and try to navigate the oh-so-woke world. These 2025 voters sound like they've got a real shit life. Also, do the wokes not pay their taxes or do their best? Is being woke tax exempt? Because I'll woke the shit out of things if I can pay less taxes. Interest rates will be going up again. Now, as we know, one of the reasons that's happening is because of inflation. A couple of the ways inflation works is if government continues to spend too much money, 
and if it becomes too difficult for businesses to be able to maintain the wages of their staff. Now, I know none of this is fun for Twitter, but that's the actual real world. I'm pretty sure people on Twitter know what inflation is as well. Is everything a culture war for Paul Murray? Water is made up of two hydrogen molecules for every oxygen molecule, but that's not what the wokes on Twitter believe. So how will Paul Murray make this somehow Labour's fault? Well, Labor formally said that they want to increase the minimum wage by 5.1%. Now, I can't argue against an increase for those that are the poorest paid amongst us, but if you think there's no consequence to this particular announcement, then you have no idea how the system actually works. But aren't those poorest paid also going to be hit by the inflation? And won't the long overdue wage increases better help them to deal with the inflation? Now, politically, it's great because there are more workers than there are bosses. Ah, there's the problem. Those more workers will be voting in the 2025 election too. And even though they're too poor to be on Twitter or woke, they just might appreciate the financial help. The sun has well and truly set on the British Empire news now. Boris Johnson continues to prove an inspiration for Etonian schoolboys with stupid fucking hair and inbreeding so severe their family tree is a twig. Boris Johnson is still in office as Prime Minister despite a significant rebellion among Conservative MPs in tonight's vote of confidence. So, a vote of confidence was called by his party and 211 Conservative MPs, presumably all with names like Oliver, Jack and Oscar, declared their confidence in Boris Johnson, while 149 voted against him. That means there are 211 MPs who think Boris Johnson is doing a good job, or at least a good enough job that no one else should do it. All 211 of those MPs have now been invited to a Bacchanalian wine-splashing fiesta and 10 Downing Street during the next lockdown. The result was hailed by Boris Johnson in a statement that was written by Thesaurus. I think it's an extremely good, uh, positive, conclusive, decisive result. It was an ideal moment for the Labour opposition to remind everyone that they do actually exist, with the leader of the opposition, whose name no one cares about, stepping up to make some bland pronouncements. This evening... The Conservative Party had a decision to make, to show some backbone or to back Boris Johnson. The British public are fed up, fed up with a Prime Minister who promises big but never delivers. I swear I looked up his name for this episode and forgot it three times and finally gave up. Jeremy Hunt, however, has been waiting in the wings, hoping a deposed Boris Johnson will leave him as Britain's next symbol of disappointment. Enter next a potential successor as Prime Minister. Jeremy Hunt took on Boris Johnson last time and lost. Today he tweeted, We are no longer trusted. Change or lose. I'll be voting for change. And if you think that sounds blunt, listen to this response to it from the Culture Secretary. I'm incredibly disappointed that Jeremy Hunt, who said throughout, I'm not going to challenge the Prime Minister while there's a war in Ukraine, has come out and challenged the Prime Minister on the day Russia sends rockets into Kiev. That was Nadine Dorries, whose criticism may seem quite bland, especially when you consider she once wrote a novel which reviewers said, quote, read like clippings from Wikipedia and also, quote, the worst novel I've read in 10 years. 
If you're going to criticise Jeremy Hunt, at least do it more boldly, like Sky News anchor Sophie Ridge did. Jeremy Hunt, uh, because he's a potential leadership uh, candidate. Well, luckily, now that the confidence vote is behind him, Boris Johnson can finally enjoy the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations and do things like listening to Stephen Fry's beautiful speech in appreciation of the work the Queen does. These the world sees, but how many local sewage works has Her Majesty opened with a bright smile? How many plaques unveiled? How many trees planted? How many ribbons cut? Ships launched? How many prime ministers tolerated? For that alone, no admiration is high enough. Okay, never mind. Um, all right, l l let's try Lee Mack. Lee Mack is funny. He does impressions. And I'll tell you what, finally we can say the words party and gate, and it's a positive. <laughs> that wasn't in the auto queue, admittedly. Hang in there, Boris. Just 12 months until the next conference vote can be called. Let's all pretend like this will actually achieve something news now. As Republican senators continue to come up with creative reasons why Americans should have access to semi-automatic rifles. In my state, they use them to shoot prairie dogs and, you know, other types of varmints. And so I think that there are legitimate reasons why people would want to have them. What's going on with the prairie dogs in America? Are Americans really teeny tiny or are prairie dogs giant and armored? Well, while that is happening, Americans are gearing up for two weeks of hearings focused on the January 6th riots, which saw gangs of armed Trump supporters attempt a violent overthrow of the democratic government, the kind that normally Americans only see in developing nations when the CIA orchestrates the same thing against democratically elected governments there. According to American media, the biggest challenge in these hearings won't be holding former President Trump to account for his involvement in these riots, nor finding out just how many members of the GOP ignored warnings that these riots could happen, but in keeping America Americans interested in hearing about that time the government almost got overthrown by rednecks with zip ties. All kinds of distractions before the American people and so I think that they need to hear something new, things that they haven't heard before. They just need to focus the public's attention on it. They have to grip the American public. They need to make this really a compelling narrative. It doesn't have to look like Top Gun. You want to find that sweet spot in the middle. So not Top Gun but still on the highway to the danger zone. You know, apparently Americans can't care about something unless Tom Cruise is in it. Which, you know, fair enough. Donald Trump has, of course, denied having any role in leading the mob to the Capitol, except for that speech where he played a leading role in doing just that. We're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. In his defense, he didn't then walk down. But only because the only time Donald Trump has been seen walking at all in recent years is from the golf cart to the golf ball. It's not just Trump's promises of walking while planning on not walking that will likely damn him in these hearings. The New York Times reports January 6th committee testimony shows former President Trump approved chants about hanging former Vice President Mike Pence. In last year's attacks, some rioters started chanting, hang Mike Pence. Well, according to the report, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows testified he told colleagues Trump agreed that maybe Pence should be hanged. The worst part of that is how indecisive he is even on this. Trump couldn't even commit to hanging his vice president. Make a decision and stick to it, man. 
One decision that is clear is Fox News' decision to not show the hearings at all. This is the biggest scam on Thursday perpetrated, per perpetrated on the American people since the Russia collusion hoax. This is total nonsense that you're going to see on Thursday. And the problem is they know it. The Democrats know people do not care about this. They're desperately trying to get people to buy into this. But the problem is people are more concerned, Sean, with the super high gas prices. Maybe that's the only way to get Trump to walk. Make petrol too expensive for his helicopter. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you like this podcast, please head over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Shah. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. And throw a few shekels my way. The money helps a great deal in keeping this production going along with just helping pay the rent in a time of inflation. Because I don't know if you heard, but the RBA increased the interest rates. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Thank you.